Double Coverage Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Daniel and Micah Simpkins. Welcome back to the Double Coverage Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Simpkins, and as always, my brother, Micah Simpkins, is in the side saddle. Micah, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How's everybody doing? Uh, we're doing okay over here. It's just been very busy, and uh, I hate that we haven't been able to podcast in quite a while. It's just been a lot going on. I've been writing like crazy for football guys and putting out a lot of good content, and I know you've been busy with um, different things and also some film analysis on Twitter. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been doing? Well, I, I've, uh, I'm, I have NFL Sunday ticket now, and uh, that, that's something that I've had for a while, but I decided to use it to go back and watch the Titans game. Uh, not really the best tool for film analysis. Uh, I think NFL Game Pass uh, is definitely better. But I was able to just watch the game multiple times. They do have the 30-minute the version of the game so that you can watch it very quickly. Um, and so I was just able to go back and, and look over some of the the things that I saw that I liked from the Titans and what I didn't like and uh, it, it was just a, kind of an exercise, but uh, I think it went well, and I think uh, I'm probably going to keep doing it as time permits uh, for the rest of the season. So uh, if you're a Titans fan or just looking for some good analysis uh, of f- football, that's what I'll try to offer throughout the season for uh, every Titans game. So. Wow, that's going to be really cool, and I look forward to seeing that, and uh, we'll be following you on Twitter for sure. Tell the listeners your your handle just so that they can get to you if they need to. Yeah, it's uh, MDS underscore Titans 94. I've been thinking about changing it for a while, but uh, I'll let let the listeners know if I do that. Uh, But for now, it's MDS underscore Titans 94. Very good. All right, so we're going to move right into our Chat of the Week segment. It's time for... We do a segment here called Chat of the Week, and basically you pick someone in the NFL who's made a bro move or done something exceptionally dumb recently and call them out for it. So, Micah, who's your nomination for Chat of the Week this time? I've got a two-pronged chat of the week this time, uh, three-pronged if you if you count all the players at hand. But let me first start off by naming Hugh Jackson as one of my chads of the week for his poor handling of the whole Tyra Taylor-Baker Mayfield situation, um, <clears throat> specifically what he said right after the game, that after Baker Mayfield gets the – First win for Cleveland in 635 days, and Cleveland fans are just already in love with him. Uh, that he's going to have to go back and look at the film and make a decision on Monday who's the starter's going to be. I mean, for one, Tyrod's already concussed. He very well may not be back next week. But to to say that anyone other than Baker Mayfield is going to start would be causing a riot in Cleveland. So for him, I think he's a definite nominee. But also uh, along the same lines as talking about Baker Mayfield, uh, the feud between Colin Coward and Baker Mayfield continues to to move on. And he and Jason McIntyre were on his show uh, Friday talking about 
they they gave Baker some, you know, kind of uh, half-hearted praise. And then they went on to talk about how Baker Mayfield had his phone after the game. And they were, I believe, insinuating that he wasn't a very good teammate because he went straight to social media to see what everybody was saying about him. That's ridiculous. That's, you know, Colin Coward is after Baker Mayfield has called him, you know, all sorts of names and said that he's not worthy of a number one overall pick, even after he was picked number one overall. Um, it, it's it's ridiculous. The, the uh, it, I find it unprofessional what Colin Coward is doing. And um, to, to go after him after he get, uh, getting on his phone, pictures have surfaced now of, uh, well, not really surfaced, but pictures have been brought up of Tom Brady on his phone right after a game, Aaron Rodgers holding the Super Bowl trophy right after they won the Super Bowl, and you can see in his hand is his phone. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous to, to go after them for that, and I thought that it was uh, very, very Chad-like. I mean, Colin Coward is definitely uh, a Chad-like person already, so uh, those are my nominees for Chad of the Week. Yeah, I agree with you on Colin Coward. I really don't listen to him anymore. I used to have some respect for him, but he's become a talking head. Like, it's just really not even worth my time to listen to him and Skip Bayless and people like him. So, yeah, I agree with you. He's definitely a chat of the week. Uh, I am going to disagree with you a little bit about Baker Mayfield from the standpoint of I kind of feel like he would benefit from sitting. I wanted him to sit all year, and that's because I believe that quarterbacks do better when they sit for a year. Um, I understand there are outliers and guys who start from day one and do well and can go on and have a you know even a Hall of Fame NFL career, but I just don't think that's the norm. And I think that you set yourself up for better success if you can sit, if you can learn. I mean, get some intermittent play in there, kind of like what the Ravens are doing um, with Lamar Jackson. I really like that model where they have him getting some game experience and getting in there and getting his feet wet. But at the same time, he's not being put in situations where he's going to be broken. And I've just kind of worry about that a little bit with Mayfield that we're not quite ready yet to put him out there and subject him to that. I understand he was great the other night. I'm not diminishing his skills at all. In fact, I've loved him at the senior bowl, but I'm just a big believer in letting quarterbacks wait and simmer a little bit. And it just seems like fan pressure and GMs and coaches having a short lifespan pushes these players out sooner than really they should. I understand this was a injury situation and it couldn't be really avoided and that's, that's okay. But I would really prefer that they sit Mayfield back down. He got some good experience the other night. Um, I don't think the Browns are going anywhere in terms of playoff contention or anything like that this year. So do it the right way. Do this rebuild the right way. Don't ruin your quarterback. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I, I know you probably don't agree with that, Micah. Uh, I, I just feel like uh, the horse has already been let out of the gate. Um, I, I agree with you. I like I like the strategy of sitting your quarterback, not making him go out there and take punishment and rattle his confidence as, uh, as early as possible because confidence is huge for a QB and uh, if you're the number one overall pick, you're probably playing behind a shoddy line with not great uh, uh, weapons. And there, there's a lot of things that are going to go wrong for you, and that can rattle your confidence early on. 
the problem that I have now is, like I said, the horse is already out of the gate. Uh, Terod Taylor, he, uh, he, you know, obviously went down with that injury. Baker Mayfield had to come in. Baker Mayfield uh, erased, a, what, a 14-point deficit. Um, and the Cleveland fans are, are, are looking for hope. They're looking for something. And if if you – Hugh Jackson, if he – goes with Terod Taylor and Terod Taylor plays horribly and, and, and they keep losing games because of uh, the play of Terod Taylor, or even if they keep losing games, you know, for other reasons, basically if you go with Terod Taylor and you keep losing games in embarrassing fashion, uh, Hugh Jackson's not going to last very long because the fans are, are, are going to lose faith in the franchise it's a bad PR move to uh, go after Terod Taylor. Maybe it's the right move for Baker Mayfield's health, but I, I feel like you you have a no win situation here, and you got got to go with what's best for the franchise, uh, PR wise, and best for the fans rather than uh, you know trying to to put put uh, Baker Mayfield back in the stall. I just don't think Hugh Jackson is the long-term answer there at head coach anyway. I think that he's kind of a lame duck head coach and that really probably after this year, regardless of what happens, I mean, they would have to go to the playoffs to really save Hugh's job. I, I feel like if they do anything less than that, he's out and they're really looking for an excuse anyway. Um, and so if that's the case and they're not going to go anywhere this season, which I don't think they will, um, I, I really think the right answer for the organization for, for, from that standpoint, not Hugh Jackson. Not, I mean, the answer for him obviously is starting Baker Mayfield because it is the only hope he has really of preserving his job. But for Baker and for the organization, I just feel like it'd be a good thing to wait. But anyway, we need to move on because we've got a lot of other stuff to cover. Um, I'm going to go with Mike McCoy on my chat of the week. He's saying that he needs to find more creative ways to get the ball to David Johnson. Uh, what? I mean, you have arguably the best pass catching back in the NFL, and you can't find creative ways to get him the ball in space. That's just unbelievable to me. He, you know, and another thing, I, they've been running him up the gut and not calling very much to the outside. Johnson's fantastic when he's asked to cut to the outside. And I mean, he's a confident in between tackles runner. Don't get me wrong, but if that's all you're doing with him, it makes him really predictable. Defenses can key on that. And it's really easy to defend. Uh, I really don't understand what they're doing. And that's why Mike McCoy is my chat of the week. What do you think? Mike? Uh, yeah, I think one thing that you're seeing right now, there's, there's plenty of fodder for chat of the week, honestly, because we've got a lot of tone deaf coaches out there. Hugh Jackson being one of them. Uh, Mike McCoy is definitely one of them. Uh, he's a retread guy. He's been everywhere. He's had head coaching and he just keeps landing in these offensive coordinator positions, even after he gets fired from his previous job. Um, and now he's ruining David Johnson's fantasy potential, ruining uh, that team's potential to, to win games because uh, you know, you, you can't find a way to throw a screen pass to David Johnson and let him work in space. Uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, shout out to John Gruden, former chat of the week. Uh, he he was almost uh, uh, added to this segment as well because he he keeps saying 
uh, it's really hard to find good pass rushers. Well, then why don't you like Khalil Macko? You had arguably the best pass rusher in the league in your lap, and you trade him for uh, chump change, basically. And then you keep saying, oh, it's really hard to find pass rushers. That's that's tone deaf, and that's going to lose your fan support real quickly. The only thing I would say to that, Micah, to maybe defend Gruden a little bit, is there are rumors that the team really didn't have the money to pay Khalil Mack on a restructured deal that basically he would not have been able to uh, get his game checks. And that's a problem. And they're really just trying to hold out until they can get to Oakland and get the cash flow going again. And I think that may have influenced it. Well, it's less about them trading Khalil Mack. I, I, you know, I've heard the, the uh, cash flow problems. Uh, that's honestly, that's really dis- discouraging to, to hear if you're a Raiders fan, cause you, you, you're a, you know, what billion dollar franchise and, and, you don't have the cash flow to play, pay one of your best players. That's that's scary to me. Uh, but the the thing that I have issue with John Gruden about is his tone deafness in his, uh, his his press conferences. He keeps saying a good pass rusher is hard to find, and that's just giving fodder to all the media to to call him uh, tone deaf. It you know just. Deflect? Do you use some other rhetoric to, to deflect if if it really wasn't your fault to begin with? But don't don't be you know just saying oh well a good pass rusher is hard to find because again that sounds tone deaf. Yeah, I can see your point there. There is probably a better way to go about answering that question, but you know it's hard for these coaches in the moment sometimes, and he's probably just thinking about what he's identified on film as being a problem for the team. But yeah, you got to think about what you say when you're in front of media that's hungry for a story. So uh, I get that. So we're going to move into our next question. What's been the biggest surprise for you so far this season, Micah? Biggest surprise for me is the lack of running back production. Uh, through two weeks, Matt Breda is the rushing leader in the NFL, and he only had 184 yards. So you have even even the the, the studs like Gurley and Elliott and uh, uh, I'm blanking. Well, Fournette's been injured, but he would be up there as a, as a stud. Uh, of course, Le'Veon Bell, even James Conner, his backup, ha- doesn't have over 200 yards rushing. Uh, it's just been surprising to me to see the dearth of rushing yards uh, available for running backs right now. It's something that we didn't even see last year. I mean, we had Kareem Hunt break out, out of the gate. Gurley was doing his thing. Uh, there were some others as well who were who were uh, quick to gain rushing yards out of the gate, but in, in two weeks nobody's gained 200 rushing yards or more. That's uh, that's kind of uh, puzzling to me. No, it's not really puzzling. I think I, I have a good handle on on what's going on. I think it's uh, running games are just struggling because of the the new CBA and the lack of padded practices and things like that. But uh, it, it brings up a very interesting fantasy conundrum now. Uh, do you value running backs, uh, especially in a redraft situation, do you value running backs as highly as you do when you know uh, that they're not going to be performing as well right out of the gate? 
compared to some of these wide receivers who are getting massive target volume and producing much higher. Um, do you still go after those running backs because they're, they're uh, you know, uh, harder to find and they'll probably give you good uh, value later on? It's just an interesting question. You know, I think it depends on your scoring and settings to answer that question, too, because in a PPR league, what this does is it pushes up the value of running backs that catch passes. I I really believe that's the um, premium asset in that particular format. So for the Alvin Kamaras of the world, for the girlies who have the receptions, um, I mean, it really – pushes the value of those players up and then, uh, you know, Chris Thompson gets a huge boost, things like that. So in those formats, I think the running backs are still just as valuable in terms of the pass catching ones in other formats. Yeah. It's a little bit more even, um, like standard formats. Uh, man, if you look at the top scores right now in those formats, it definitely is a pretty, pretty level ground for receivers and running backs at the, at present. So yeah, it's, it has been interesting. I think we'll see some course correction and some running backs with some big games and big yards, but uh, yeah, that has been a really interesting trend. We've just been seeing a lot of lines like uh, for example, Saquon Barkley, I think he only gained what 35 rushing yards or something like that uh, during last week's game, but he caught uh, what was it, 13 passes for 90-plus yards or something like that. I mean, that that's the stat line that we're seeing from a lot of running backs right now. And so you're right, in a, in a PPR league, uh, I think pass-catching running backs still have that higher value than even a, a wide receiver right now based on point value and things like that. But, uh, yeah, in a, in a standard league, it's, it's kind of uh, puzzling to watch your – your stud running backs that you probably drafted in the first round not performing the way that you want them to. Yeah, it's been a little rough in a standard league at running back so far. I would agree with that. The biggest surprise of the season for me so far is actually to see the Buccaneers succeed. I really projected that they would be a team that would fall apart and that we would be seeing a new head coach, um, that they might be as bad as Buffalo or Arizona, teams that I also projected to be pretty pretty bad. Um, yeah, they made a fool of the Eagles and the Saints. And, you know, it's just been really cool to, to see them blossom and use those offensive weapons the way that they have, spreading them out and getting them in space. Uh, I mean, you have to give a really um, a big hand to Todd Munkin, their new offensive coordinator who, who took those duties. And, He's spreading them all out and creating problems and mismatches for the defenses that they just can't solve. And, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you have Jamie's Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm um, when you're doing that. that They both can be functional quarterbacks that can get the ball to their players in those situations. And um, the Buccaneers aren't really a great run-blocking team right now, but they're pass-blocking just fine and giving, you know, Fitzpatrick time to get the ball away. So, um, I really think that we're not going to see them collapse, um, at least not at this point. You might have a late season collapse or something as teams kind of catch up to the film. But well, here's the deal. I, I, I like what the Buccaneers have done so far. Uh, none of, neither of us counted on Fitzmagic happening. Uh, 
but we've we've seen this this story before that Fitzpatrick has these games where he's playing really well and then eventually he'll he'll just collapse. But the the thing for me is that the the Buccaneers have not really had a I, I don't think they've had a, a true test so far. I mean they they played the Saints and yes we know the Saints are a good team and they they can score points. That that game was forty eight to forty, and I realize that's a, a little bit closer than the game actually was. But I, I'm looking at their defense and, and giving up forty points to the Saints, and then you give up twenty one points to a Nick Foles led Eagles team, where Nick Foles has not been as good um, as he had been in in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Uh, they've got a real test against the Steelers. I think they can exploit the Steelers defense like Patrick Mahomes did. Um, and I, I think they have a, a pretty fair shot of winning that game. But then you start going up against teams uh, like the Bears. They've got the Falcons. Uh, I'm looking at the Bengals, Panthers. They, they've got some teams that I think will be a, a much tougher test for them, and um, especially if Fitzpatrick loses his magic, uh, they could they could run into some some difficulties. But one thing I will say is from a fantasy perspective, this is good news for Mike Evans owners. This is good news for Deshaun Jackson owners at the moment. Um, welcome news for them because I think at the beginning of the season, we're, there's a lot of question marks about, okay, where is Mike Evans' value truly at if Fitzpatrick is at the helm for these three games? And now you're, now you're having to ask too uh, because Fitzpatrick has done so well. Okay, where is their value at uh, while Fitzpatrick is in? Because it doesn't look like Jameis Winston's going to gain that starter uh, that starter role back. So at, at, you're looking at the value. Well, so far it's been good, and that's really uh, helpful to you and, and really uh, giving you a lot of hope. And hopefully, it will stay that way uh, if you're if you're a uh, Evans or Deshaun Jackson owner. I do want to say something about that before we move on. Uh, I really believe Mike Evans has a fire under him. I mean, he has played really well. We even saw it. Um, Jennifer and I went out to the joint practices with the Buccaneers uh, and the Titans. And Mike Evans in those practices was just, he was motivated. He was lighting it up. And that's carried over into the season. He's really giving full effort. Um, you know, last year, Matt Waldman and um, Cecil and Sigmund, have noted at different times that basically he looked like he was playing just deflated, like with sand in his pants, not really giving effort um, to his routes and just kind of being lazy. But you really have not seen that out of Mike Evans. He is really just busted his butt. And I'm, I'm really glad to see that as a Mike Evans dynasty owner in several spots. It's good to see him really trying to perfect his craft and get better. Um, he was already considered one of the top receivers, but um, more for his size and for the mismatch he creates. They're not really necessarily route running, but I'm, we're starting to see that develop. And that's a really, really good sign. Um, I wanted to use this to parlay into our next subject a little bit. Um, you know, we, we were going to talk about which offensive players have totally flipped your evaluation for their fantasy season based on what you've seen so far. And for me, I'm going to talk about another Buccaneer and OJ Howard. Um, I really thought at the beginning of the season that, you know, re-signing Cameron Brait to a contract extension 
And having Winston in there who favors Brait was going to make O.J. Howard just totally irrelevant. And just they would be putting him out there to block. But there's been several things that have happened that have kind of flipped the script. Uh, One of those is being, you know, having Todd Munkin come in and implement his offensive system and use O.J. Howard more and target him more. He's been more targeted than Brait. And and I think he's been playing most of the snaps, whereas Brait's been very, you know, sparse in, in the snaps he's getting on the field. Um, and then also you have Fitzpatrick being in. He's going to lock on to Mike Evans, but he's not going to lock on to Cameron Brait as much as Jamie's Winston seems to. And um, it's just been a little bit different than I, I kind of thought. And, Howard is a very natural pass catcher. He's very athletic and very, very good at that. Um, but they had been using him kind of to block a lot more. So that's been a really big surprise to me. And I think OJ Howard's going to end up having a good season after all. What about you, Micah? What do you think about um, your offensive player that's really flipped in your evaluation? Well, I will say that I'm, I'm on board with the whole um, – I didn't think that O.J. Howard was going to be the tight end that had the most fantasy value, um, and uh, I'm surprised by what he's doing. Uh, I'm going to go with a more negative look on the offensive side. I've kind of flipped my evaluation on Kareem Hunt, Um, and and you and I have talked about this a little bit outside of the podcast, but I've flipped uh, my evaluation on Kareem Hunt because – I'm looking at the Chiefs' defense. I'm looking at the success of Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think there is much. Uh, there, there's not as much value in Kareem Hunt as there was last year when they were really trying to establish the run and uh, feed Kareem Hunt, who was a, a great weapon for them, and he also got his uh, his catches uh, as well. And I think he'll continue to be a weapon used in the passing game. But I'm looking at that defense. I think every pretty much every game is going to be a track meet for the Chiefs. They're going to be forced to throw. And that means less, you know, monster 150-yard uh, rushing games for Kareem Hunt. Uh, does that mean that I'm completely out on him in fantasy? No. But I think that his value right now, his perceived value is higher than his actual value, and so I've I've already traded him in a couple of leagues, uh, including a dynasty league, um, just because I think that his perceived value is higher than his actual value is right now, and I think it's a good time to get out. Yeah, thanks for trading him to Brian right before I play him, <laughs> you jerk, because he had no running back, and now he's going to have you know a running back to play against me. So thanks for that. Really appreciate that. No problem. Anytime. That's what brothers are for. I I mean, I was playing you too, but I'm I'm not much of a threat, so. Not yet, not yet. You're building that team. You know, to be fair, this is what, your second year back and you took over an orphan? Yeah, I took over an orphan that was uh, one of the worst rosters in the league and one of the worst that I've ever seen. Sorry to whoever was running it before me, but it was pretty bad. So, (laughs) Yep, I think that's why they left. So anyway, I want to flip the question over to the defensive side of the ball and do a little bit of IDP work here because we like doing IDP on this show. 
on defense, who was the player that's really surprised you so far and, and flipped your fantasy evaluation for their season? Well, I'm going to continue to be a negative Nelly, and I'm going to also go with a, a player that I have multiple sh- sh- had multiple shares of, still have one share of him. Uh, but that that's Jared Davis. Um, I, I drafted him coming out as a, a rookie. I was uh, – looking forward to some solid uh, linebacker production from him. But uh, this season, he, he, he just he, he doesn't show uh, a lot of the things that I'm looking for in, uh, in, in IDP linebacker, and he's certainly not uh, all over the field. He's still making some pretty uh, horrendous mistakes, and that Detroit defense is making some pretty horrendous mistakes. And uh, I'm I'm just not a fan of what I'm seeing from Jared Davis. I hope that he's not a complete bust. But uh, uh, considering the hopes that I had for him when I drafted him, uh, things are not looking so good right now. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the more that I watch him, it doesn't seem like he's growing and getting any better. And plus, he had limited athleticism to be um, a middle linebacker anyway, in my opinion, coming out. Um, but I really thought that he was a smart player and that he would pick up the scheme and be competent and be fine for IDP, but that just really hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm not saying that it may not still click with him, but... Well, to um, be fair, they're in a a completely new scheme, and it's Matt Patricia's, which uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, is a a fairly complex scheme. So there's still some hope for him, but I'm not liking what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't bring that up, and that's a good point. Switching a scheme, a defensive scheme completely, is going to make a player really have to um, redo everything and revamp everything. It makes but, you hesitate um, instead of acting on your instincts. You, you you have to think about, okay, what is my role? What am, what am I supposed to do in this type of play? Instead of just going out there and, and making the play. And that one second of hesitation is the difference between a two-yard loss and a 10-yard gain. So, Yeah, you just have to hope it doesn't shatter his confidence completely because that happens to players sometimes. They play in all these different systems, and then they can't get comfortable. And then when they finally are in a system for a little while, they just – you know, they have that hesitation because they've had failure in their past and they go back to that and it just, they never can put it together. So let's hope that doesn't happen to him because, you know, we never root for anybody failing and especially for the Detroit Lions. You know, we, they they have been one of those teams that just, they're lovable losers. They, they can't, win and and sustain success but um you want to see them do well and you want to see them and their fan base get rewarded for hanging in there but um i'm going to get mine now uh my my defensive player that's really surprised me um and it's darius leonard for the colts i i really did not see this coming i thought he would be competent and good in that respect and um that he would rack up the tackles this season from um, you know, just a volume standpoint, but I think it's more than volume with him just watching him play. He really is good. Um, he is always around the ball and he's just, you know, ferocious and a motor that just doesn't stop. And I love watching those types of players play. Um, having him in one IDP rookie draft that I took him in, um, I, I wish now that I had taken him in more, but he's, he started from me 
for me from day one in that. Um, and that was an orphan that I took over this year. So he's, he's definitely been good and helped me win both of my games in that, that league. So I actually may be in contention if he keeps putting up really big stats. I know he's not going to have 16 tackle games again, but, uh, if he can at least, you know, do consistently, um, you know, seven to 10 tackles per game, I'll be in a yeah, good, I'm a, good I'm spot. A little sour because, uh, he, he got taken from me, uh, one pick away that this draft, I ended up with the consolation prize of Fred Warner, who's been doing pretty well. Um, but of course you're wait you're waiting for Reuben Foster and, and Malcolm Smith to get back. But, uh, yeah, still a little sour that I didn't get Darius Leonard because like you said, he's been pr- uh, producing really well so far, but eh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. All right. Last real football question. And then we'll move into something fun to end the show. Um, We've seen enough to be able to glance into the future a little bit and make some determinations about players' roles with a team down the road. Based on what you've seen this preseason and maybe even in the early games, uh, name a player that you're stashing across your dynasty leagues right now. One player that I think still his value is a little bit diminished from last season uh, because of injury and someone that I'm really high on is Dalvin Cook. If you can find a way to trade for Dalvin Cook right now and get you know fair value, get value that reflects his diminished value from last year, go for it. Uh, I, I think that he's in line for a big season this this year. I know he's out uh, this upcoming week, but it's a it's a small thing. They're playing the Bills. That's probably why they're resting him. Um, but as long as he can stay healthy, I think that he's in for a big season this year, and I think that he's a fixture in that Minnesota offense. And and one thing that's really important is that Minnesota offense right now is so balanced because they've got Kirk Cousins, because they have Thielen, because they have Stephon Diggs. Um, Cook is not going to wear out as quickly as uh, other backs because they're not relying only on him to run the offense. And so I think he's got some staying power in the league as well, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, let me let me throw out just just one other guy, um, and then also make a sweeping generalization. Uh, James Conner. I think if you can go get him right now, even right now as Bell is out, I don't think his value is as high as it's going to be. Uh, I'll just be honest. I think that James Conner is going to be uh, the one who has staying power in Pittsburgh. I think Bell is out after this year. I don't think there's any way that Bell is not out after this year. And so I'm looking at James Conner. He very well may be the back in that very coveted Pittsburgh offense uh, and and putting up points. So if you can go get him. Uh, And lastly, I'll say rookie running backs. Um, they, they have disappointed so far, by and large, unless you're talking about Barkley. Um, but these rookie running backs, um, you know, I, I think not based on what we've seen this season, but based on hope that we have, their, their value is not very good right now because they're not getting touches. You know, Royce Freeman's being uh, beaten out by Phil Lindsay. Uh, Ronald Jones is not doing very well down in Tampa. Uh, Darius Geis is injured, um, but we saw enough from them in the preseason, um, and we, we saw enough from them, uh, obviously, 
in their college careers to think these guys have talent and they're going to bounce back. Um, and certainly their value is not um, some, it's at its lowest point uh, recently. Um, and, and so I think you can try to go make some trades and stash those rookie running backs because eventually they're going to uh, come roaring back and do well for you later on. Yeah, I agree with you completely. You know, a lot of people have big expectations for the rookie class and and the running backs, and they really haven't lived up to those lofty expectations. So people may be down on them a little bit, like the Nick Chubbs of the world. I think you can probably go get a Nick Chubb pretty cheaply, and as long as he doesn't get in there in the late season, um, his value will continue to trend down as people kind of forget about him. So I like that call. I love the James Conner call, and I'm I'm totally on board. I don't think Belt's coming back. I really don't think they repair that rift with him. And um, I think he's on to a new team next year. And whether he plays even this year is debatable. I know he's going to come back probably so that he can get his vested year or or whatever. But does that mean the team has to run him out there and play him? No. It doesn't, and I really doubt that they do, especially since you know they've made some really publicly critical comments and they've removed him from the depth chart and everything like that. So I, I really agree. I really think James Conner may have the uh, future lead back role there, and uh, he is really, really being um, – overlooked in dynasty right now. I've seen a lot of people say, sell high, sell high. I I don't think so. Uh, First of all, I think his value is only going to get higher. Yeah, I think so too. And also you're not really getting fair value for him. The best offer that I've gotten for him is a 2021st in one of my dynasty leagues. And I was not going to do that because first of all, that's way far out. Second of all, um, I really feel like he is the future there and he'll be worth more than just a single first round pick in the distant future um, coming up here pretty shortly. So I I really think that's a good call, Mike. I really love James Conner, really like what he's done so far. And I realize some of that is the offense, but um, he's really improved from year one to year two. And I think he's perfectly fine in that offense. They're content to have him. He's not Le'Veon Bell, but he's functional and uh, he gets the job done and he can do a lot of pass catching work too. So good, good calls all there. Um, I'm going to say Chris Warren. It's a deeper stash. Uh, I think that the Raiders saw what he could do in the preseason and they really liked him and you could just kind of hear that in Gruden's comments. You could hear it in his teammates comments. And there's even some speculation that he went on the IR so that they wouldn't have to subject him to the practice squad. Um, I don't know about that. That's a little too conspiracy theorist for me, but if it were true, I could see why they would do that. Um, and I'm really glad that he's going to have Marshawn Lynch as his mentor for at least a year uh, he really favorably compares to Lynch, in my opinion, in terms of his running style. So um, I really think that he could end up being similar to, to Lynch in terms of his impact. So um, he's great, great talent, physical talent. He's got some developing to do, but um, I really like his long-term situation. So I've been trying to stash him where I have the room to do it on rosters that are deeper than 40. Um, that's where I try to 
try to get him in somewhere. And hey, if you can pick him up and let him ride in your IR spot, that is perfect. That's what I've done in a lot of leagues is pick him up, put him on IR because he's on IR and uh, let him sit there. And, you know, I'll deal with him at the end of the season and figure out if he's worth being on my roster long term or not. But um, I have him on IR so that he can just chill there and he's not really um, affecting my team construction or anything like that. What do you think about Chris Warren, Micah? Uh, I, I think that he has potential there. Uh, obviously, we know that Marshawn Lynch is uh, not going to, to last very long uh, in in Oakland. He, he's kind of, he's already retired once, and he's kind of at the end of his days. So uh, I think there's definitely some room there. And uh, if it's for somebody who's already on the team, go for it. And, and like you said, it's a it's a stash that is low risk because hopefully you have enough IR spaces to uh, throw him on your team and just let him sit on IR and he's not even costing you a spot. So that works out pretty well. All right, last question, and this is just a fun one to round out the show. What's the most random fun thing that you've done recently? Uh, so I'm going to be completely honest and say that my life has been pretty boring at the moment, but, um, if I, if I had to pick one fun thing that I did recently, uh, it was probably, uh, watching a a movie that I hadn't ever watched. Uh, I don't know how I hadn't ever watched it, but I watched, uh, the three amigos with, uh, Martin short and, uh, Steve Martin and, uh, Chevy chase. And that was quite amusing. That was quite hilarious. Uh, pretty funny movie. Uh, I will mention something that I've been thinking about because my life is kind of boring. I've been thinking about picking up a hobby um, and and something that is not football or video game related because I've already got the, the corner on those markets. But uh, I've been thinking uh, about going into falconry because I love birds and particularly uh, my favorite bird is a peregrine, fal- peregrine falcon. Um, and I've just kind of been doing the research on what it would take to to own a bird like that. And you have to have your falconer's license. You have to become a falconer and all this stuff. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of uh, red tape, so to speak, because they want to make sure that you're taking care of the bird. Um, so I've just kind of been looking into that, messing around with that. Um, the, the, the biggest obstacle right now is that it, it takes a lot of money to become a falconer, apparently. Um, <laughs> you, you have, to, uh, you're probably going to spend, uh, anywhere between a thousand and two thousand dollars in your first year of becoming a falconer. And, and that's a lot of money. So it, it's probably not something that I'm going to do anytime in the near future, but I have been looking into it and just kind of playing around with it a little bit. What about you? Well, first, I would just want to comment. So don't lie to the audience. The reason you want a falcon is so you can say, Falcon Punch! No, I, I already uh, do that when um, I, I play Super Smash Bros., which is my favorite video game. Um, so, I, And I'm a Captain Falcon main for all you Smashers out there. Uh, I'm a Falcon main, so I, <laughs> I get in my Falcon Punches quite a bit. Um, but no, uh, the real reason that I want to own a Falcon is just cause I'm, I'm crazy about birds and, uh, think they're fascinating, particularly birds of prey, uh, always found them really interesting. So no, no Falcon punching here. Um, I, I don't think it would be a good idea to have your Falcon do a Falcon punch anyway. So, 
<laughs> okay, so I'm going to move on to my most fun thing that I've done that's random lately. And that is actually, uh, I went to uh, Charlotte with my wife recently because she's from that area and we wanted to go back and see some old friends. And so we went for a day and we had a tradition when we were just married of uh, out there, they have these traffic circles that you can just go round and round in. And so instead of getting off on the exit that I should, I would just go around the traffic circle repeatedly. Like sometimes we would do it like up to six or seven times. So for old time's sake, we did that. Um, as we went back, we, we hit a traffic circle there and did that. And, um, I would advise not doing that with your pregnant wife like I did because it made her dizzy and sick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wasn't kind of thinking about that. I was just being spontaneous. But after she got over the uh, urge to puke, it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, – back down on, on campus uh, at Florida College where I went to school, there's a traffic circle uh at on campus, you know, uh, that connects kind of the whole, the whole campus. And, uh, there were many times coming back, uh, from school that I would go round and round and, and my wife, Chelsea would, uh, uh, you know, be, be very upset with me because she, she thought that I was going to run into somebody or, or hurt somebody. Not very upset, but she would, she would tell me to stop, you know, stop, uh, you know, stop doing that. Go park. Uh, that kind of thing, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Traffic circles are lots of fun, and if you can find a uh, particular traffic circle that is uh, not very well driven, that uh, that uh, you can just go round and round in and not fear, uh, I would definitely advise for you to go do it. In fact, you could even go push a wheelchair around that. Uh, I had some friends who did that and got pulled over by the police, so... Maybe not do that, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just, just things that you can, you can do, um, if you're bored, those, that kind of thing. So traffic circles, definitely one of those things. And, you know, in life, we just have to be spontaneous and have fun. I think that's one of the keys to living life and having a wonderful life. So for all our listeners out there who tuned in today, thank you for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful life, that we've informed you about football a little bit, uh, that you've had a good time listening to us, and that all will be well with you. Till next time, my friends.